Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Heart of Purpose Podcast. I hope you are all doing really well, and I just want to thank you for joining me here today. I have so much more in store for you this year, and I'm just so thankful um, for the continued support. As always, share with a friend or hit the reviews. It all helps in getting the word out and also just growing this community So thank you again, and today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her her name is Hannah Brencher, and she is author of Fighting Forward, but she has written two other books that are just phenomenal, and I just love everything that she has done and everything that she is doing. Uh, We discuss life in all facets, as well as what to expect with Fighting Forward. So it's a timely episode for a new year, and enjoy! Thank you, Hannah, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to learn more about all that you've been doing and everything about your story. I think it's fantastic. And and everything you're doing, you're writing more and more books, which is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, there's book three. So book three. Oh my gosh. And when did you write the first one? My first book came out in 2015. 2015. Okay, perfect. Wow. You've been busy then. I do. I, I love writing books. Like that's definitely my favorite um, medium to be in. And so um, yeah, I love writing books. And if I could all day, every day, just be doing that, like that would be my favorite element. So that's why I think, cause like a lot of people, like some people write books and they're like, I never want to write another one again. And I'm like, I want to do it over and over and over again. That's fantastic. So you never get like writer's block or? Um, I mean, there's definitely days where like you don't feel like sitting down to write, but I, I've come to believe like writer's block is kind of a myth. Um, and oh, that, I like this. Yeah. If you just sit down and decide to do the work, like no matter what your feelings, like it doesn't mean that every day is going to feel like the perfect words show up, but I still believe that we have to push through those creative ruts. Yeah. Cause it's like all a mental game, right? It's just yep, like completely mental. You can like, I always say too, like you are in control of your mood. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, not saying I always abide by that, but um, <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm in a bad mood and I'm just letting it be. But I think, I, I think that's true. Yeah. It's all a mental game. And if you can sit down and push through, you probably get to a, a, a better moment, you know, like you're pushing through to like a more positive day. Totally. Well, and it's especially because I think like, you know, in writing and in all elements of life, it's that consistency piece, right? Of like, okay, I'm going to strip the feelings away from this and I'm going to show up and I'm going to do this thing. And with each time that you do it, it becomes more of a habit, but like those feelings have less of a chance to like come in and like make you do the opposite. Cause it's like with me, like, like say for instance, a workout, I'm like, I don't, oh. I rarely feel like doing that, but I know that I'm going to feel great on the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's totally true. I hear you. So I want to um, bring listeners back to your story and how it all began. Um, yeah. so you had big dreams of living in New York city and mm-hmm. then it was a different, a different reality. Can you talk about what brought you to New York City and then how everything changed when you started writing letters to to strangers? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I graduated from college and I moved to New York City. Um, I was doing a 
a year of volunteer volunteer service, which means like you make no money for the entire year, which is hard. But in it's, New York City, in New York City, so they they put us in um, an apartment that we had in the Bronx, and I was working for a human rights organization at the United Nations, and whoa. That was, I don't know who gives that job to somebody coming out of college, but um, it was a dream job of mine. Like, I am so passionate about human rights, like where other kids grew up with like sync posters on their walls. Like yeah. I had like the, the catalog cutouts from the UN magazines. No so, way. Yeah, it was a you big wanting dream. to change the world. Yeah. And so moving there and thinking, okay, I have this dream job, like very quickly, I started to encounter a lot of like loneliness and sadness and disconnect. And at the time we didn't really talk openly about depression. It wasn't something yeah. that gets spoken about the way it does now. And so, um, later I would get a diagnosis of depression, but I just didn't even know what you do with that. You know, like it, it's not something that I felt equipped to handle. And so as a way to cope, I started to write letters to strangers that I would see around the city and I would leave those letters behind for people to find. And it was kind of a way for me to get out of my head and kind of look around me and realize I'm not the only one that feels lonely or disconnected. Um, but yeah, I ended up writing a blog post about that and telling people, if you need a letter for whatever reason, I will write to you. And I thought I would get like maybe five, 10 letter requests, but I ended up getting over 400 and spent the next nine months writing those letters. And that built the foundation for the organization I run today. That is so cool. I, I love writing. So like, I, I love the act of writing like pen to paper. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with my to-do list, you know, you put it in your phone. I'll always write it out just so oh, I can me write. too. Me too. <laughs> but, um, there's something so special about written letters. Like to me, that's, it's just, it's, it, to me, it has more weight. It has more emotion. It has more. And maybe that's just because I'm also pre social media. You know, I grew up where you wrote letters and yeah, there's something so special about it. And I just feel like it's a lot more thought provoking too for both oh, parties, yeah. like the one writing, but also the mm -hmm. one receiving. And so I love it. I love everything that you started, but how did you first come up with the idea to leave letters? Because if you were feeling depressed, like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, how did you even come up with it when you're feeling at your lowest? Yeah. So, um, my mom is a, avid letter writer and not even like in the sense of like she doesn't send like seven page letters to like all her friends but she's always writing little cards little notes little sentiments and so um for as long as I can remember my mom has always written me letters and then when I moved to college she started to like say for instance she'd move me into a new dorm room like she would leave letters for me to find Aww. later on after the fact and so um, that was just, that just became a thing of like, I knew that her letters were always going to be somewhere in the apartment or in the dorm room or like now, like we live in a house and like every time she comes to visit, it's like, there are always like letters to find um, after I she- I love that so much. I'm going to take your mom's- at I love yeah. that. What a great I started doing it because, and so that was in that moment, like it was a natural thing for me to think- 
oh, I'll write a letter and then I could just leave it behind and somebody's going to find it because like, that's what I'm used to doing. And so where people are like, that's quirky or I would have never thought of that. I just think I remember being in college and I would get letters in the mail all the time and none of my friends got them. And they were like, wait, you get mail? Like, I wish I got mail. And I didn't realize like that. I mean, the average American like today gets 10 pieces of mail a year. That's Oh man, that's true. That's a yeah. small amount. And that's all so, during Christmas. <laughs> right. Yep. It's all Christmas. Coffee. What about the other months? <laughs> yeah. And I think too, but what you were saying is like, there's actual like science to back up that like your brain is accessing different um areas when you're writing letters and like there's just something different that happens then as opposed to like sending a text or writing mm -hmm. an email you process emotions differently when you write things down absolutely i mean i even used writing as like a my own you know going through breakups or going through hard times like it's such a great way to be a release and an outlet yeah. And also to, um, for me personally, to reflect, I feel like I was my own counselor because I, you can reflect on what you wrote like years ago and understand how far you've come, totally. which can also keep you out of like that slump or out of those emotions. Because if you're also processing what you're going through and not just washing over it, I feel like that's also so healthy and so productive. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So after you wrote 400 letters, <laughs> yeah. wow, that my neck <laughs> is so tired. Um, you started this foundation, more mm -hmm. love letters, or was it more of a like social, you said it's more like a social movement. So at the time, I just remember like I had, I, I was so ready to be done with the story if I'm being honest. Cause it was like, it written 400. I was like, I'm tired. I, you know, and at, at the same time, like I was still living my own story. I thought like, if I don't stop this, I'm going to end up like living in Grand Central Station, writing letters to people for the rest of my life. Like that's going to be my reality. And I was surrounded by people though, that were like, you can't, like you can't kill the story. Like the story hasn't even begun yet. Like you need to find a way to give this to other people. And so I, I built a website. I knew nothing about doing that. I had like, there was no rule book to go by because a love letter writing organization didn't exist, but I just knew that, Hey, like I'm going to put out there, like what helped me. And we decided, I say we, and it was me. Um, yeah. but, no, I, that's funny. You know I that, right? It's like, yeah. it's like, it makes you feel like less alone in it. But, yeah, definitely. Um, I decided that one of the things that really struck me when I was writing these 400 letters is anytime somebody would say like, Hey, could you write a letter to my sister or to my friend or to someone who has no idea they're going to get this letter and they yeah. thought outside of themselves. And so I thought, what if we took that experience and we like multiplied it so you could nominate friends and family, and then we'd pick stories, we'd put them online and hundreds of letters yeah. would show up for somebody. And so that's what we do. We, they're called love letter bundles and we mail um, five or six of them every single month. So that's people so have the cool. whole month to write to that person and submit a handwritten letter, all handwritten, but all driven by online and social media. That's so cool. It's been pretty- everyone would appreciate, you know, a little like encouragement in the mail. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Especially yeah, we need more of it, especially this year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my. So since you were diagnosed, um, so you were like clinical depression, um, how did you overcome that? Or do you still kind of battle 
yeah. So mm -hmm. in 2010, like when I was first diagnosed with depression, I thought depression was like the chicken pox. Like I thought <laughs> you have it once you never deal with it again. Um, I was wrong, but, um, <laughs> and so in 2014, I went through another bout of depression. This time it was like way more severe. Like it was life-threatening. I ended up in the hospital. It was pretty oh it was intense and scary. And, and it was a moment where I didn't even know if I was ever going to get like my brain back or my life back. Yeah. Um, and so I look at that time in New York and I think that was very much like, though it was like diagnosed, I think it was situational depression. Um, yeah. And then this depression in 2014, that's the one that I like, I walked out of that, thank God. But um, it caused me to have to rebuild my life completely differently. I had to stop hustling and being in overdrive and never taking a rest. I had to build habits and disciplines in my daily life. That meant that I was taking care of myself. Yeah. Um, because especially like, I'm sure, you know, like when you work for yourself, it's like, I'll never shut off. I'll just go yeah. it all out. Well, and even if your body shut off, it's like your mind's still constantly going, going, constantly. Going, going. Yep. Yeah. And so that I'm thankful that I had to go through that as hard as it was because I live a much healthier life now where I'm able to take care of myself and I'm just, I don't know, I have much more of a healthy balance when it comes to life and being present in my life. Yeah, I, I totally concur and like relate to that. I feel like I have to check myself. I, I'm definitely more introverted and like I get energy through my alone time. Mm -hmm. And like also, you know, walking with the Lord and being kind of spiritually minded. Yeah. I also know that rest, I have to rest in order to like rest my soul sometimes because it can yeah. be overwhelming and you don't realize sometimes everything around you, like it's all affecting you, like what you're reading, what you're put, what you're putting your time into. Like if you're just scrolling social media and then you feel drained afterwards, you got to be cognizant of like what information you're putting into your to your soul. Oh um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I've definitely in the past year, probably the just the past year because I worked myself too thin too to where it was like mm. you just get burnt out and it's not fulfilling. Like, it's not fulfilling. Yeah. Um so how now in your daily life, how do you kind of balance all of that and stay in that wholeness? Yeah, so I always preface by saying like I'm not perfect. So it's like, you're, even if you set these great habits and disciplines, like you are going to have days where it's just not happening, you know? Um, and so I consider it to be like what I call like my battle plan. And it's like, these are the things that I know I need to be doing consistently to live my healthiest life in order to show up to do what God has called me to do. And so those things look like eating the right foods to fuel my body, getting a sweat session in, even if I do not feel like it, yeah. being rooted in the word of God. And like, I've learned over time that it's like, even if you don't have like as much time as you would like, like still show up, even if it's only 15 minutes that you can afford, like to fill your soul back up. Yeah. Especially as a new mom, because I learned, yeah. I mean, it took me a good year to finally just realize the what I needed because you are as a mom too, you're sacrificing and like giving a lot of yourself to yep. everyone around mm -hmm. you, especially your little ones. Um, but I've just learned to leave it, leave my Bible open, 
like oh, throughout the day. That. Yeah. In the kitchen, I just leave it on there. And then when anytime I just need a dose of something, I just open it. You know, I call it, I, huh. someone called it um, Bible roulette. <laughs> where yeah. You, yeah. Like, you know, you're like, God, I'm just really feeling this. Like, and then like, show me what you want me to hear. And literally every time I turn it, it's exactly what I know God wanted me to read I love or that. hear. And so I've learned to just that's actually more of my routine because I'm not a routine right now person, especially with the mm-hmm. two littles and it's really, really difficult. Um, so I give myself grace. I think totally. Yeah. We, like you were we saying, you're not perfect. You got to give yourself a little grace, but yeah, that's my advice to any new moms is just leave it out, like open. And then throughout that. the day, I just do that. Like right after this, like put it out on the kitchen counter. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I've learned too is our kids, obviously everyone knows this who has had kids, but since mine are still young, it's like nice. It's really fun to see it happening to where throughout Asher's four. And I mean, for the past two years, I would say I've had my Bible out or like, it's just what I do or I'm worshiping or something. And he's not very expressive. He's not an expressive kid, but now that he's four, it's like, he's saying things that I would have said, like, that I had was saying when he was young, or he knows that like, oh, mom's Bible. I don't know. I think it's a great influence for your kids to see that because it doesn't always have to be in your own private time with God. It can be like out in the open for your kids to, to witness. Totally. Like I remember, I mean, so it's like, I became a believer when I was 22, when I was living in New York city. So you didn't grow up as a believer? Well, I grew up with my mom being a believer and taking us to church, but you know, my dad wasn't really a part of that. Um, He is now, but he's also like, he's not an expressive person. He is a man of few words. And so I think I saw a disconnect of like, well, why doesn't he go with her to church? And like, maybe I just didn't see the importance of it or like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to own that faith for myself. And so when we got to our teenage years is when my mom kind of was like, you can make your own decision of like, whether you want to pursue this or you don't, like, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to drag you. And so I definitely did a lot of searching. And when I was 22, like that was when I was like, okay, I'm leaving other things behind. Like I, I, there has to be something more to this. And I think that this is what it is. But if you asked me like what it was that was so impactful to me, it's that throughout my entire childhood, from my earliest memories, I remember my mom every single day pouring a cup of coffee, taking her Bible and sitting at the kitchen table every day. And I look back and I'm like, she showed me it through action. She didn't preach it to me. She just showed up and she filled up her soul. And I, you know, like going through, like, you know, you're going through teenage years and this and that. And like, we've, you know, dealt with like my brother's drug addiction and all these things that would have probably made me think like, why would you show up for God? Like my mom still thought every single day, this is the most worthy thing. And so at 22, you're like, okay, there had to be something to that or else she would have given it up a long time ago. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Keep pulling it out because I mean, like my memories, I can see her there at the kitchen table. Yeah. And now as a mom too, I look back more on my child I mean my parent my mom's like super expressive with the Lord not like but we're not communicative (laughs) but uh, but her faith is you know they're both my parents faith is very strong Mm -hmm. and I would say that it wasn't going to church and it wasn't them it wasn't doing the like memorizing verse it wasn't all of that that now at 20 
I started getting back into my faith at like 25, mm-hmm. but, um, I, it's so true. You have to do it for yourself. So like everything I learned growing up, when I look back and in hindsight, what has stuck with me is the example they led. So yeah. like the things that still come to mind are things that my mom would say, like, they're not, they're like verse, but you know, just like not necessarily quoting verse. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just interesting to like, look back now and be like, wow, even in, you know, the adolescent years where it's difficult to like your parents. Well, for me, yep. mm-hmm. um, I look back and it's like, wow, but that still stands out so strong. You know? Yeah. Yep. It does. It's so cool. I love that. And I do think it's important to seek God your for uh, yourself. Like, yep. Making that a part of for whatever amount of time that can be, you know, like I have this one podcast that um, I listen to. It's called the Pause Podcast. It's oh, amazing. Um, but they kind of like break down different parts. They'll take you through a whole book of the Bible, like in like 30 days or 60 days or whatever it is. And on the days that it's like the day is insane, like I compare the workout with that. And I can feel like I'm soaking in the word because like they always start with reading the scriptures and then dissecting it. And so it's like, you know, like being flexible and giving yourself that grace of like, it's not about being like legalistic with everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also, like you were mentioning, like how you started giving, like you were at your worst, but yet you decided to give to Mm -hmm. others. I think too, um, it's really important to, to understand that, you know, like I know that when I'm in a slump and I'm, I'm, I'm self-centering. That's why I'm in a slump. Cause right? I'm like, yeah. woe is me. Like, why isn't this happening? Or why isn't this, why isn't my hubby doing this? You know, it's like all these things that you can dwell on and be like, so self-centered in, in your mm-hmm. thought process that, um, you lose sight of being grateful and like appreciating everything. Totally. Um, but I've learned too, the more I put my focus on others, I mean, joy just fills my soul naturally without having right? to try to earn it or something, you know? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like a lot of times, like it could be like that. I'm just like, if I'm having a down day, it's like, well, I need to look outside of myself or I immediately will think, who can I encourage? Like, who can I reach out to? Like, who can I do something for? And it will... I mean, just turn your day around and you're right. It's like this joy that it's not a joy that you can create on your own. Yeah. It, it just fills you up. I, I love that. And so you wrote your third book. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this third book and what we can expect? Cause your second book was come matter here, right? Yep. That one came out two years ago, two years ago, which I also love the concept of that. That's pretty phenomenal. I've really, um, actually being like joyful in the presence of like where mm-hmm. you are, what you're doing in your life now, rather than searching for the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I feel like that's going to be like my like lifelong lesson that I'm always learning. You know, you like write a book and then you're like, but I'm supposed to be like an expert on this or something. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm always in the throes of that. Um, so yeah, my third book, it's called Fighting Forward. And really, like, it looks different than my first two books that were more chronological in nature. I really wanted this book to, um, like, have shorter chapters. They're filled with, like, what I call, like, 
power-packed essays um, for anyone that feels stuck or stagnant or wanting to move forward, but really at a loss on how to do that. I really want to just speak to that person. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think that's everybody in right? some part, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like every season of life, you're still, you're still fighting to like, go oh, yeah. forward. <laughs> life is a fight for sure. So yeah. So I think that's fabulous. Can you um, share more about what someone can expect in Fighting Forward and obviously how they can order it? Yeah, so um, it is a good blend of, you know, storytelling, but also I wanted to fill it with a lot of like practical, nitty gritty, like not just like here's something inspirational, but like here's like the how. And I can't at the end of the day, like build the roadmap for you to get unstuck. That is your journey. That is something you have to do. But like my hope and my goal is that through reading this book, people will feel inspired to put the book down and stop being a spectator in the lives of others and just show up to their lives. Because like, I think that's our biggest danger is that like, we're just watching each other from the screen. Oh, and so bad. like, your real life is right here. You have to be present to it, but you also have to build it. Like you have to build that life. And, um, and so that would be my hope is that people would be inspired to like go out and actually be in their lives and like know that the fight is worth it and know that even if you're at a place where you feel like you're never going to get past this, like you have to keep going. Like we need you here. Yeah, um, and so, yeah. Good. That's the heartbeat of it. Just especially in this era of social media and right, everyone just watching each other and then comparison, envy, jealousy, like shame, like so many things. So many. For young people, like I can't imagine the pressures and the, just the insecurities too. But Mm -hmm. um, that's, it's so important. It's so, so important. Um, Take a step out of other people's lives for a second. Yep. And focus on your own. (laughs) Or like, even with like what you're saying about like envy, like I've found in my own life, the only way to really combat that is to become a cheerleader for other people. And like, it's like what you, we were saying at the beginning of just like, it's not about the feelings. The feelings might not be there when you first start, but it's about choosing to do it anyway and believing those feelings are going to catch up to you. So instead of like comparing myself to this person, I'm going to cheer them on because I know in my heart of hearts, that's what I want, but the envy wants to tell me a different story. And yeah. so, yeah. How have you found that? I feel like this season of the podcast has been a lot about identity as well. And I think what you're saying too, of being able to do all that is also like having your identity in Christ and like how mm-hmm. to stay grounded in that. Yeah. Um, how do you find that helps you in the day to day? Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the core of it and like, however we can do or manage that. So like, for me, it looks like limiting the time that I spend online on social media not letting that be an all day, everyday thing. Cause that's just not a healthy space for me to be in. And I feel like I could very easily turn up the noise of social media, but I know that in doing that, I am drowning out the voice of God. And so I find more ways in my life to like turn up his volume because at the end of the day, like if I'm looking to social media for my identity, like it's, it's never pretty. It never ends well. It's never (laughs) never a full feeling, right? Like even if it's a really positive experience, I still feel like social media takes from us. And so it's that reminder to say like, 
okay, in this work that I'm doing, I am partnered with God. But if I want to be partnered with somebody, then I need to communicate with them and I need to meet with them. I need to treat this the way I would treat a, a relationship. relationship. Yeah. Yes. That's so true. I love the picture of the volume. I'm like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like turning up the volume. That's actually really good because I like the metaphors and stuff, but yeah, that's very good. So I think everyone should get your book. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And also look into the love letters. And honestly, why can't we just all send out letters to our friends? You know, that's the hope. The hope would be yeah. people would say, okay, like who in my life needs a letter and why have I not written it yet? I know. Right. Because we're on social media. <laughs> that's, that's it. We're, we're double tapping our friends' photos and we're thinking that's enough. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Hannah, I want everyone to know exactly where to follow you. Um, oh, again, how to order the book. Yeah. Anything else that we can expect in the future? Yeah. So you can, um, I'm at Hannah Brencher and hannahbrencher.com is where I keep the blog loaded with inspiration. And the book is Fighting Forward. It's available in bookstores everywhere. Um, whether you do Amazon, Barnes and Noble, shop local, support small businesses. Um, yeah. Fighting Forward available January 5th. January 5th. Got it. Well, thanks Hannah so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And your time. Thank you so for having me. Thank you.